going to preach to you the word that God gave me. If you got your Bibles, praise team, you can kind of stay in place if you'd like. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, starting in verse 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Father, I just ask your hand of guidance upon this service this morning, God. I thank you for what you've already done in this place. I thank you in advance for what you are going to do. Lord, by the authority of the Holy Spirit, I bind and rebuke every divisive spirit. I bind and rebuke every spirit of confusion. I bind and rebuke every hindering spirit that comes to hinder the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you the praise, we give you the honor, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen and Amen. For a minute this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject, Christ Revealed. There's many, many, many topics of discussion or many passages of Scripture we could preach the same topic, Christ revealed. But in the story of what we know as blind Bartimaeus, how many has ever heard of blind Bartimaeus? How many has ever heard him pronounced of the story of blind Bartimaeus? This Bible that I have actually says in this portion of Scripture, Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Most scriptures, most texts, most Bibles that have this segment of scripture in it that gives you a little headline about what is happening titles this Blind Bartimaeus. Almost like we remember Thomas as Doubting Thomas. Almost like we can oftentimes remember Peter being the man that chopped the ear off or cussing. But how many understand this story is not so much about blind Bartimaeus now. This is about a story of a man that once was blind, but now he sees. This is the story of a man that had an identity all his life as the blind man. But now he's the man that sees again. He's the man that has vision. He's the man that has hope. He's the man that has a purpose. He's the man that has a testimony. How many times are we known as the blind Bartimaeus? Brother Mike, how would it feel if every time I introduced you to the stage, I referenced you as meth head Mike? Or every time the pastor Josh Toomey takes the stage, the lion, cheating, drug addict Josh Toomey, welcome him to the stage as he preaches us the gospel. And the reason I bring that up is because we have never fully, there are some people, 
whether they be because they're friends or because they're family, we're able to erase the identity the world has placed on them. But at the same time, when it's someone we don't know that well, when it's someone that doesn't mean a whole lot to us, when it's someone that won't hurt our church as bad, it's easy for us to remind ourselves that they were blind Bartimaeus. Let's forget all the things that happened to them in the altar. Let's forget all the things that, that they gave up. Let's forget all the things that they sacrificed and let's remember the blind Bartimaeus. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm not here to preach to you about blind Bartimaeus. I'm here to teach to you about an all-knowing and an all-seeing and an all-sufficient Savior named Jesus Christ who encountered a blind Bartimaeus. And today, he's no longer blind Bartimaeus, but he is the Bartimaeus that has sight. He is the Bartimaeus that has a vision. The Bible says in, the, in verse 46, Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus who was the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to talk to you for a minute before I can reveal to you the purpose and the, per the person of Jesus Christ. I got to let you know what's going on right here with this blind Bartimaeus. This blind Bartimaeus, the Bible doesn't tell us how long he was blind. If he was born, born blind or whether he accumulated at an early age, but he was blind enough to have learned to live with his dysfunction. He had been blind long enough to learn how to deal with losing his pride. He had been blind long enough to learn how to deal with not being enough for anybody, not even himself. And this man has found himself in the street begging. We know him as blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, the beggar. Many people always refer to blind Bartimaeus as the beggar. Anytime in this culture that people would have illnesses or sicknesses or uh, deformities, they were considered unclean and they couldn't go into the church service. They couldn't come down to the altar and let someone lay hands on them. They were, had to sit outside and even in Acts chapter 3, we know that there was a man laying by the gate called Beautiful because he couldn't go beyond the gate. And that when the disciples come by, he was begging alms of them. He was asking them for a little money. So we know this. we got to take note that Bartimaeus was a beggar. He had gotten to the place where his pride was no longer important to him. He got to the place where, where his, his social stance was no longer important to him. He got to the place where his agendas were no longer the important thing to him. He had gotten to the place where it's either beg or die. And I, I pray so much, and this is going to sound kind of bad if you don't let, stay long enough to let me explain, but God, how I wish the church would get to the place that we would beg of the Lord. I wish to the place that we would get to the place where we would humble ourselves to the place of being a beggar. Because let me tell you a few things about a beggar. A beggar doesn't care what he looks like. How many times do you see someone standing at the end of the freeway when you get off the exit holding a cardboard sign? Telling you, well, I don't need this money. I just, I just want it. I mean, I can do it all by myself. I don't need it. See, pride is what tells us we don't need Christ. Pride is what tells us we don't need a bunch of men laying hands on us. Pride is what tells us we can't cry. Pride is what tells us we can't be emotional with our spouses. Pride is what tells us we've got to hold a stature. We've got to hold a standard up that makes me the man or the woman that I am. 
A beggar loses all of that. A beggar gets to the place where it's either swim or drown. A beggar gets to the place where this is my last hope, my last option. I can't supply for myself. I've got to ask for help. I've got to ask for assistance. I've got to, I've got to get to the place where I realize that it's, I'm not enough and I need more than who I am. And see, the, the, the true believer in Christ can never really truly give their whole heart to Christ if they've never reached the place where I can never be good enough in the shape that I'm in. I can never be saved enough in the shape that I am. That's why I need a Savior. That's why I need someone else. This beggar had been, he's out here on the street and he's begging. Another thing about a beggar is he doesn't care what the world says about him. A beggar understands that what he looks like is not good. A beggar understands that in the shape he's in, he won't be invited to all the parties. The beggar understands that in the shape he's in, he'll never hold a political office. The beggar understands that in the shape he is in, he'll never get anywhere without the assistance of another person. The beggar is the one that lays it all out there on the floor in front of everybody and everything and says, I'm in need. Do you have anything to help me through? Why was he a beggar? He was a beggar because he had an infirmity. He was a beggar because he was blind. And doing a little study, and then I read into a study that had been done in, in, um, on, blind, on people being blind. And Nigeria is one of the leading countries in people going blind or being born blind due to the malnutrition. A lot of children are born blind. By a very early age in their life, if they were not born blind, they are completely blind in one eye and cataracts or some sort of another glaucoma begins to take control of what little vision they still have left. Here in the writing and doing a study on the blind people that volunteered, this is some of the stuff that they found out. They feel very disadvantaged in terms of education, vocational training, mobility, and socioeconomic activities. In other words, how to make a living. Blind people generally find it problematic to attend school, gain employment, and to be part of community activities. This may be a byproduct of the fact that blindness still evokes negative attitudes and some degree of stigma in society. Undoubtedly, lack of education and inadequate rehabilitation services make, any, make, make many of the blind eventually resort to street begging, resulting in a poor quality of life. You say, Brother Josh, why would the church desire to become beggars? Because the church has yet to acknowledge the fact that though we can see with our eyes, we are slowly losing our vision. We are slowly losing our purpose for existence. We think that we merely exist to come and to worship and to clap our hands and to preach a little song or preach a little word and sing a little song and go on about our everyday lives when the vision has slowly been dwindling away that we are to be a lifestyle transformational center dedicated, meaning out of everything I'm dedicated. I'm giving my all. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not throwing in the towel, but I am dedicated to seeing the lost come back to Christ. Many have lost their vision. Helen Keller said it like this. He said, I would rather be blind and have vision than to have sight with no vision. He said, there is nothing more dangerous than having sight with no vision. See, your sight is an enemy to your vision. Because it's hard for us to comprehend a prophetic word or a prophetic movement of God 
when we see the turmoil going on around us. It's hard for us to capture the vision of joy and peace and long-suffering and temperance when everywhere we put our, put our feet, the ground is shaking and the earth is quaking and, 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 and murders and earthquakes and things of this nature are taking divisions upon divisions upon divisions, even in the church, even in the government, even in our states and in our nations. Amen. Everywhere we turn, it's hard to capture the vision of hope and joy because we're too busy looking and seeing the things that are going on around us. This, the the sight that you possess could also be the enemy to your vision. I love what happens here, though. The Bible says that when blind Bartimaeus was sitting in the street, he had, this has become a custom to him. Obviously, he didn't have many friends around him because the Bible never tells us about a group of people that were happy for him afterwards. The Bible doesn't tell us that he had to go show some people after he got blind, after he got his sight back, because he said it goes on to say he followed Jesus Christ. But Bartimaeus sat there alone in a place with no vision. He sat there in alone in a place with no sight. He sat there in the darkest times, even when the, when the sun was at its highest point. Bartimaeus knew nothing but darkness. He knew nothing but, but, a, but an absence of light. But something happened on this peculiar day when Jesus walks through. And the Bible says he heard that Jesus was passing by. I don't know if the crowd was talking about Jesus or if he asked what's the commotion and someone said, well, Jesus is walking through. But whatever the purpose was, he had already been trained in his infirmity to become someone that had a lack of care of what people would think about him. And though he had been spending years begging for money, when Jesus passed by, nobody could stop Bartimaeus from crying out to the Lord, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My God, I wish to God we could walk through the doors of a church and scream out and cry out in the midst of our, 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 our dilemmas and say, Lord, God, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, show your love through me. Show your compassion through me. Let your will be done in our lives. He cried out, Thou Son of Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. See, when you haven't reached the point where you're willing to beg for God to move in your life, let me tell you something. When you, become the, when you get to the place of being a beggar, it's not because God said you ain't trying hard enough. When you get to the place where you are willing to beg, it's not because Jesus said you was unworthy. When you get to the place where you have to beg, it's not because you, 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 your, your infirmity is too sick for God to look upon. Because God had every desire to heal the sick and cleanse the leper but there comes a time in our life where we got to quit thinking well God can move at my house just like he can at the church that's the mentality of our nation today is God's he's God's omniscient he's all powerful he's all knowing he's all present he can move everywhere anytime and that's absolutely correct but sometimes in a midst of blindness and not having a vision we got to quit waiting for Jesus to come to us and we've got to begin crying out when he passes by you say brother Josh I, I just don't agree with that well let me bring to you the woman with the issue of blood while Jesus was passing her by when Jesus was going to walk right by her the Bible says she pressed into the crowd until she touched the hem of his garment. That woman could have sat on that dirty chair in her sickness and in her infirmity. But instead she said, I'm going to press into the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. Pressing's not easy, but it's necessary. Pressing is not going to be fun, but it's called for. 
And, and here in Barnabas' story, he cried out, and here come these people. You need to be quiet. You're an embarrassment. See, all of these people had never been at the place that they needed to beg for anything. These people had never been in a situation where they had to live their life without. These people had not been in a situation where had Jesus not spoken to them, then they would be lost. They were following Jesus. They were walking with Jesus. And then they find themselves with the audacity to tell another broken man, you need to be quiet, you're disturbing the peace. And this, this eloquent move of God, this, this righteous, holy move of God, you're disturbing the royalty of our Jesus Christ. You're disturbing this movement that's going through with your nonsense and your screaming and your yelling and your wanting to cry and you're wanting to reach out. You're disturbing all of this. And that's what the world is trying to tell you today. Oh, we're not telling you that you can't serve the Lord and you can't love Jesus. We're just telling you, quit crying out. You're embarrassing us. You're embarrassing us. You're offending people. Quit crying out. You're making people uncomfortable. We're looking at a blind, wretched man crying. Stop doing it. You're making our movement look bad. And then the whole time, blind Bartimaeus is in the back of his head. Well, you don't know what it's like to go weeks without eating food. You don't know what it's like to go without drink. You don't know what it's like to not be able to find your way home without somebody holding your hand. You don't know what it's like to not feel love. You don't know what it's like to feel abandoned. You don't know what it's like to not be walking in the crowd. You don't know what it's like to not be feeling where you're at. Amen. And I'm here to tell you today, I've been on this street long enough, and I believe Jesus is my my answer so you're never going to shut my mouth you're never going to stop me you're never going to keep me quiet the bible says the many warned him to be quiet but he cried out all the more it seems to me in this day and hour we got very few bartimaeuses and we got very many blind bartimaeuses we've got very few people that when they're told to be quiet will all the more scream louder we've got we're living in a day when the troubles come then the guilt and the frustration and the shame begin to rest upon us and we get quiet. We, 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 we fall into that trap of the enemy. And I'm not, I'm not putting this, I've been there, I've done that. I have fell into the trap of the enemy. I have spoken and said things that I shouldn't say. I've had feelings that I shouldn't have. But at the end of the day, are you going to sit back on the street corner and say, well, I'm not worthy of Jesus? Or are you going to cry aloud and give Jesus the option to pass you by? So many of us tell Jesus we're not worthy. And Jesus said, if you'll cry to me, I'll shut the crowd up. If you'll cry to me, the Bible goes on to say, he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So guess what? So Jesus stood still. We all want a big movement. We all want to get in a movement. We all want to go experience a movement. But my God, I want to get to the place where I experience when the movement stops at the sound of a cry. I want to get to a place where the movement ceases at the sound of a cry. Because Jesus said, I'll leave no man behind. I, I, if, if, if Bartimaeus wants to walk, I'll give him the vision to walk. I'll give him the strength to stand up. And the Bible says, so Jesus stood still and commanded. Brother, I just think hearing from the Lord. I ain't hearing from the Lord. I'm not hearing what He's telling me. I'm not hearing what He wants me to do and where He wants me to go. How many times have we cried for Him to stop so that we can listen for His command? So many times we let Him keep walking and we just try to feel our way through until we find the next person to follow and it's the man telling us to be quiet. It's the man telling us we can't do it. It's the man telling us we can't go any further. Then they called the blind man saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise. 
He is calling you. I don't want to, you don't have to raise your hands, but I want you to ask yourself this question. If I went around the room and I asked you, what is your specific calling God has over your life? Be honest with yourself. Could you answer it? Many of you, maybe so. I know for years, even after I'd given my heart to Jesus, I was already preaching and someone was to ask me, what are you calling? I love Jesus and preach, I guess. I didn't know what my calling was. It took me going through a season where I felt like my pastor abandoned me. It took me going through a season where, just like that, the lights of my ministry were cut off. I was going from preaching in churches every week somewhere different, watching revivals take place, watching people be healed of cancer, watching people get up off their deathbeds, watching the miracles of God happen right before my very eyes. And then all of a sudden, just like that, the lights got turned off. And I'm thinking to myself, what did I do? Did I sin? Did, did I, was, I, was I faking it? Am I I misunderstanding what the Holy Spirit really is? Just like that. But it took me fumbling around for three months in the darkness, not being able to preach a single sermon, not being able to teach a single class for me to realize that God never abandoned me. Nobody ever turned their back on me. Nobody ever gave up on me. It was God putting me through a transition saying, I'm going to stand still. Josh, your your, your ministry's been moving, and now it's time to stand still so that you can rise and hear me calling you. Hear me calling you. You've been operating in my gifts, but now I'm ready to place you in a calling. And your calling wasn't just moving. Your calling was listening. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise. He is calling you. Imagine being one of those disciples. You know, the Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. That's somebody that don't know what they want to do. One minute they're this way, one minute they're that way. One minute they agree with this, next minute they don't. just depends on the crowd they're in. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Imagine being that disciple. You're walking by with Jesus and you're like, yeah, we were chosen. We were chosen. Mike, I was chosen. And just walking around strutting, I was chosen. Shut up, blind man, I was chosen. You know, I like to throw little California dudes in there, you know, shut up, dude. I was chosen. And then Jesus says, hold up, I heard my name. Tell him to come here. Hey, I was chosen. Hey, get up, man, be, be happy. He wants you to come on. If I was Bartimaeus, you know, I'd have had to just throw that one last thuggish jab at him before I gave my heart all the way to Jesus. I'd have been like, yeah, run your mouth now, big boy. He's calling me. What's he doing for you? Walking behind him. But he says, be of good cheer there, blind Bartimaeus. Get up. He's calling you. And this is, the, this is the part that really shook me this week. I've read this story hundreds of times, and I just read right through this part. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. How many times do we want what Jesus has to give us? How many times do we want an answer to our prayers? But when Jesus says, rise, we pick up our garments and we try to carry them to Jesus too. See, the garment, you got to understand this. You need a mental picture of this. 
This isn't a man that's going to go home and open up his closet and he's got lines of shoes and lines of garments all the way around that just says, well, today I'm going to wear my blazer. Tomorrow I'm going to wear my sports coat. Then the next day I'm going to wear my nice Georgia attire. Jesus was a Georgia fan. Just to let y'all know. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I don't, I don't have to. Uh, I, can't, I can't truthfully and honestly use this pulpit to lie to you. Amen. But, in my mind, Jesus is a Georgia fan. Anyhow, the, uh, the getting up, the Bible says he threw off his garment. This man, everything he had owned was in this garment. Every, every ounce of his protection, he couldn't see what was coming, so he just had to hope what nothing coming to devour him. But his protection from the cold, his protection from the rain, everything was in this garment. But because Jesus called him, he was willing to throw off his garment to get to Jesus openly with nothing hindering him. He wasn't saying, Jesus, I'm going to bring this garment to you. And little by little, if you'll just take away a stitch by a stitch one day, I won't have this garment. No, this man stood up knowing from the get-go, if I want Jesus, I'm willing to leave the only thing that I've ever trusted in. I'm willing to leave the only thing that I've ever had hope in. I'm willing to leave the only thing that I could wear and it be called mine. I'm willing to leave all of that to get to Jesus and, and I shared in Bible study this morning about uh, years ago when I was starting the ministry we had got a new pastor in and I had knew my calling and I had an opportunity the door was open for me to go operate in my calling and I did the respectable thing I didn't call my pastor and say hey buddy you ain't about to get in the way of my calling I got an opportunity to go do something and y'all enjoy it without me this week no, I called my pastor. I said, hey, pastor. I said, I got an opportunity to preach this Sunday morning and night service, so I won't be here. I said, but I wanted to check with you first to make sure that it wasn't going to put you in a bad place. And his answer to me was, Josh, I need you here this Sunday. We're having a leadership meeting, and you're one of the leaders in this church. And if your absence is, 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 is understood in this meeting, then nobody that follows you will understand the importance of your presence. And you know, of course, me being the holy man I am, I'm like, you're so right, Pastor. I will do that. No, I didn't. I got mad. I unfriended him on Facebook. And I left the church. I left the church because who is a man to get in the way of my calling? Four years later, I'm an associate pastor somewhere. And somewhere in the back of my prideful mind, I'm thinking... Hmm. shows me he was wrong. But I never could get liberty and freedom. And on the way, I was driving home from work one day because I was a bivocational associate pastor and I was working at a glass company. And I was on the way home from work one day and man, the Lord just started ringing the words that I had in my ears about what I'd spoken about that man. And I knew the story of what went on after I left. How he was attacked from everywhere and he didn't have but one or two men that would stand for him. The leaders of that church hated him because he was requiring holiness and sanctification. They despised him. He lasted eight months in that church. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, shows who was right and who was wrong. I'm over here serving in a higher position of authority, and you're losing your church. 
But on this ride home, man, the Lord was just, I was hearing and the words, what I spoke about him and to him was ringing in my ears. And I broke and I called him on the phone. I hadn't talked to him in four years. And I said, brother, I said, I've I've needed to call you for a while. I said, but I, I can't fight it any longer. I said, I'm begging you. And I started crying. I said, I'm begging you to forgive me. Because in the middle of a battle, I left you. In the middle of my self-consummation, just consuming what I needed, I was ready to step out. I was ready to get my calling. I was ready to operate in the gift. I was ready. You already made it. You didn't understand. I was ready. I said, and I left you in the middle of a battle. I left you. I forsook you in the moment of, of a fight. To fight by yourself. And to this day, that church is still run by the same people that got rid of him. He had made a difference. The only one in 24 years that had made a difference in my lifetime. And in eight months, he had to leave. And God shook me. And I had to call and apologize. And that man forgave me. And to this day, he's actually came and preached in this church for me. I'm good friends with him today. My dad just went and preached for him back in Memorial Day. We still talk. We have that relationship back. But it took me realizing that I was trying to to drag the garments of another ministry into this ministry. I was trying to take what another man told me I was and try to make this man accept it. I was trying to take what I once was here and make it be accepted right here. When the whole time God said, no, I'm sending destruction to the people that have, that have laid before idols in this place. And I'm needing an Ezekiel to stand up and to, and to shave his head. I'm needing an Ezekiel to stand on the ground and to call the wicked, wicked. And this man was doing that and I left him to fight by himself. And to this day, I feel ridiculous. I feel like, a, I feel like a, just an absolute disgrace to think about it. But he forgave me and we moved forward. And going back to this, he threw off his garment. You've got to get to the place where you quit trying to drag your garments to your healing. The things that recognized you in your identity, stop dragging them into your ministry. Stop dragging the things that you were associated with in the world into your ministry. I've got loved ones that they love the Lord and they want to serve the Lord, but every time it seems like they're moving in the right direction, they always get called to go back to the bars to minister. You can't be a recovering alcoholic and tell me God's calling you to the very thing that destroyed you. There are people designed that can handle that level of stress and that level of temptation because alcohol wasn't a temptation for them. But maybe he's going to use you to talk to broken people because you came out of your brokenness. But we got to quit trying to drag the garments because we don't want to lose our bar hopping friends. You've got to be willing to love them, but you can't carry them with you to Jesus. You've got to be willing to talk to Jesus and let Jesus pass them and let them be called to Jesus. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said unto him, What do you want me to do for you? Imagine everything that went through this. He just rubbed the lamp. This genie comes out and says, What is your wish? I will grant it. Man, this dude could have been like, Man, I haven't ate in weeks. I I can't have a job. Won't nobody hire me. I can't work in the temple because everybody is is thinking that I I am, you know, I'm nasty and I'm sick. I can't do this because people can't, can't love me the way I am. He could have said, I want you to give me a job. I want you to give me money. 
I want you to give me a home with a friend or with someone who loves me. I imagine all these things went through his head and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, which means master, which means holy one, which means leader. He said, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. How many years have we prayed and prayed and prayed? How many revivals have we prayed for? How many healings have we prayed for? And we're calling the specific Lord, I just, I want you to touch my left toe. And I'm not saying that's a wrong thing. But I want to open your thinking a little bit. This man didn't pray for one particular need in his life because he knew that if I will just get the vision, I will be able to manifest these other things. If I can get my sight, I can work for my food. If I can get my sight, I can. But see, there's too many people. They want to be healed, but they don't want to work. The Bible says that the five porches of Solomon, and when you go to the story about the pool of Bethesda, the Bible says there was five porches and they were full of sick and impotent folk. Which tells me, they knew the waters were going to be troubled, yet they still sat on the porch and says, maybe I'll get there in time when it's trouble. Man, if that would have been me and I would have truly wanted to change, I'd have been laying by that pool. And the moment it touched, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have jammed my hand in it and say, got it. Better luck next year. But then I'm reminded of our world today. Brother Josh, do you have about $20 I can go to? Get groceries this week till the first of the month. And then they go buy liquor at the Mexican restaurant. The Bible says if you are not a good steward with the small things I give you, I will not entrust you with greater things. He said, but if I can trust you with the small things, I will grant unto you the greater things. In other words, until we learn how to steward the little things of our lives, we're never going to possess the great things of our lives. When you stop praying for uh, uh, for the Lord, just I want you to Lord, let this unemployment go through. Lord, give me a job. I'll work for it. Just open a door where I can work. Lord, if you'll just give me this disability so I can sit at home and I ain't got to work. Lord, Lord, I'm able to work, but I don't want to lose my disability, but I'm going to keep begging and begging and begging. You've got to get to the place that once you realize you're willing to beg, you've got to realize I'm willing to grow if I have an opportunity. I, I won't always be a beggar, but if I'm willing to beg, let me be willing to grow up. Jesus never walked by anybody and dropped 50 cents in the cup. Jesus never went by a children's home and dropped a donation off. Jesus never went by a food bank and said, give this can good to the next one that comes by. When Jesus walked up, he said, take up your bed. You get up. You walk it out of here. I ain't going to carry it for you. I ain't going to carry you. If you really want to walk, get up and walk. If a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. If a man won't pray, he shouldn't be blessed. If a man won't get on the knees and cry out to God, why is it God's fault that he hasn't heard? The Bible says his ear is attentive to the righteous. He is inclined to hear the righteous cry. I can't cry in my brokenness about my brokenness and never glorify God. In other words, 
I've got to be willing to get to the middle of my hell and still say, I'm not happy where I'm at, but Lord, if it be your will, touch me where I am. we got to get to the place where we're willing to throw off our garments of our desires, throw off the garments of what we want to look like, throw off, throw off the garments of what we want to be like, and just say, Lord, if I have to walk out the rest of my lives worrying about my next week's check, I know that you will provide. I know that you will bless. I know that you will pour out an abundance upon me. I might not have all the goods of the world, but I I'll have all the riches of the kingdom. And that is all that matters. The Bible says that when you store up your riches here on earth, that will be, that will be your only reward is what you get on earth. He said, but the, for those of you that, were, that store up your riches in heaven where the moth doeth not eat and the rust corrupt, he said those will be eternal. Meaning there will never, ever, 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 ever come a time where those riches don't exist any longer. You will, you will be able to spend your joy on the, you slide your debit card, joy, and it's still there. Stick my card there, joy. And never, never do you ever get an insufficient fund on joy and peace and patience and kindness and temperance and love. Because all of those things are kingdom gifts and kingdom riches. As I close this thing out, the blind man said to him that I might receive my sight. If I could get the vision, Lord, if I could get the vision, I don't need, I don't need a man to come tell me what's going to make this church grow. Lord, if I could get the vision, I don't need to understand everything, but I understand you. Lord, if I could get the vision, if you'll just give me the vision, I don't need you supplying everything else because I'll be able to work for it. I'll be able to make it go. I'll be able to make it move. Many of us have captured the vision. But we've sat on the sidewalk and let Jesus walk off. The Bible tells us in the Luke's gospel. I'm sorry, it even says it in Mark's gospel also. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. What's that next part say? Go to verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. Thy faith hath made you whole. In other words, it wasn't you begging. It wasn't me feeling sorry for you. It was the fact you believed. Your belief changed everything. Jesus said, I'm just going to tell you what your belief did for you. You believed in me. The earth didn't shake. Lightning didn't fall. I didn't send wind. You believe and you are made whole. And somebody read that next word. Later on, he received his sight. Immediately, Jesus told him why and then immediately it was. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus. Where? In the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In other words, Jesus said this whole situation wasn't about your sight. This whole situation wasn't about your iniquity. This whole situation wasn't about what you can, can't do or what I can do. This whole thing was about your faith in who I am. And by your faith, you have received your sight. But your sight is the least of the miracle here. Your vision is what's going to carry you. And he immediately knew, I must get up and follow Jesus in the way because he is the way. There's no other way but Jesus and in him crucified. Will you stand all over the house this morning?
Christ presented the opportunity. Christ presented the presence. Christ presented the change. But it was the faith that made him whole. What is your faith in this morning? Is your faith in a government? Is your faith in a preacher? Is your faith in a job? Is your, afraid, is your faith in your abilities? Or is your faith in Jesus Christ alone? You know, because I love the Lord Jesus Christ, I love my job. I love my, my, my duties as a pastor, but I love my secular job. I love working. I, 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 I've done that sit in an office and study and write a sermon and when you got four days left and you're like, yeah, you know, I feel like Will Ferrell on Talladega Nights. Like, oh, what do I do with my hands? I just, what do I do with my hands? I like to work. I enjoy it. But the reason that I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I enjoy working. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. It feels real good to come home and see my kids smile because they got a new pair of shoes. To see my wife smile because we get to go on a one-night trip for our anniversary. To see my friends smile because they need some support and I can afford to go out and eat with them and talk to them. But I never once prayed, Lord, give me the ability to be able to afford I said, Lord, whatever you do, let it be done. I want to worship you and I want to serve you. And I want to give everything to you. And the secondary result of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is he can bless your personal life. And I'm not talking about with just money. Don't leave here thinking you done done something wrong because he ain't done sent you a $30,000 check. I'm still waiting on mine. I'm waiting on one of them heaven stimulus checks. But I am here to tell you, He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. How great is our God. There is the name above all names because ages to ages He stands. Time is in His hand. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. And I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you feel like blind Bartimaeus. Maybe you feel like you've been begging. Maybe you feel like you, you lost your vision. Maybe you, But Jesus is passing by. Will you cry out to Him and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on my situation. Have mercy on my wisdom. Because I don't know about you, but when I go through things, my wisdom tends to get cloudy. I tend to want to think with this instead of this. And you can't do that. you got to let God have His way. So I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to turn it over to the praise team, and I'm going to let the praise team close us out singing. But I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to just take a few minutes. These altars are open. If you need to come down and pray, you can, you can come and pray. And I'm going to also remind you, there are sandwiches and all next door. After, after we get down here, make your way over there. God's going to bless that food in the name of Jesus. There's blessings been said. But I don't want you just rushing out. I want us to worship for just a minute. And I want you to let God bless you. Because maybe you don't need a financial blessing this morning. 
There's some broken people in here this morning. There's some dehydrated people in this morning, spiritually speaking. And you need the reign of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in your life right now. Let Him bless you. Jesus asked the man, what do you want? What do you want? Lord, just give me my sight. I'll take care of everything else. Give me my sight. Throw off your garment this morning. Tell the Lord what you want. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your many blessings. We ask, Lord, that you would move as only you can, that you would have your will and way. God, I pray over this congregation. I pray for those that aren't able to be here right now, Lord. I pray that you just begin ministering in the hearts of your people. I give you praise. I give you honor. And I give you glory through it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.